Hi, I'm Jesse. I'm Lucas. And you're listening to Double Blind. If you're tired of science news being light in the details and heavy in the drama, you're in the right place. We're going to explore some breaking new science discoveries from the past few weeks with absolutely no clickbait or BS involved. This week on Double Blind, teleportation and the average American penis. Let's get started. All right, Jesse, we're here to talk about size. Oh boy. If you know what I mean, and I think you do. Um, and in, in, in this case, you probably actually do know what I mean. Because the study I'm going to talk about tries to answer a very simple question. And what is that question? What is the size of the average human penis? Okay. It's, it's a really simple question, but despite its simplicity, good data is really difficult to come by on this question. I have actually heard that. Yeah. Um, it, is it not something to do with the fact that there's no real standard of where to measure from? Yeah, there's there's a couple issues. First of all, there's not really a standard to where to measure from. And second of all, this one you can probably imagine might be an issue. A lot of studies rely on self-reporting. I don't think anyone's ever exaggerated the size of their penis. No, I don't think so. I don't think that's something no, that's people never would happened. do. <laughs> Believe it or not, there's a fair amount of evidence that shows that people tend to overestimate their size. <laughs> By by an average of one centimeter in length and about 0.6 centimeters in circumference is the <laughs> okay. average overestimation. Interesting. And I mean, this is also an interesting question because um, a, a cited statistic in this study was that 85% of women are satisfied with their partner's size. Mm-hmm. Yet only 55% of men are satisfied with their own size. Interesting. So that sounds like a bit of a cultural problem to me rather it than a absolutely sounds one. like a cultural problem. But I mean the the first step to answering this question is to know the size distribution of the population. Okay. So let's find out uh where we're what we're looking at here. Exactly. So this study is what's called a meta-analysis. Okay. So that means it takes data from a lot of other studies and brings it all together, synthesizes it. Right. And tries to come to a conclusion as a result of all that other data. Okay, so no actual penises were measured in the making of this study? Not by these authors specifically. However, as a result of surveying many studies mm-hmm. with a strict set of criteria, such as measurement has to occur by a health professional, mm-hmm. measurement has to occur from a standard point, as you mentioned. Uh, in this case, they took the, uh, the pelvic bone okay. as, as that point. And, you know, participants didn't have obvious physical abnormalities. Participants were living when the measurements were made, um, which <laughs> oh, is... Oh, God. You don't want to be the guy who has to measure dead people's penises, hey? Yeah, that's not the job description I want. But, you know, <laughs> someone's got to do it, right? Right? Oh, do they really? I don't know. That's okay. Go on. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so they ended this search with a total of 20 studies from all over the world, mm-hmm. which gathered data from a total of 15,521 penises. Okay. <laughs> that's a lot that's a lot of dicks. Um so I mean I'm sure everyone's wondering what what were the results of this. Yeah. Right? So I'll just give you the raw numbers. I guess there's no other way to way yeah. to say it than that. Average flaccid length is 9.16 centimeters. Okay. Thinking about that, Jesse? All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to visualize. All right, sounds good. Average flaccid circumference is 9.31 centimeters. Okay. Average erect length is 13.12 centimeters. And average erect circumference is 11.66 centimeters. There you go. All right. I'm just going to let those just, <laughs> just settle in for our listeners. <laughs> okay. 
Everyone take out your tape measures. What I actually found was probably the most interesting section of the study was they actually went through correlations. Correlations between penis dimensions, penis sizes, and other things which people have previously claimed could be linked to those. Okay, that's fairly interesting. It is really interesting. So these are a lot of, I mean, these are the jokes, right? Uh, Yeah. What do you you know about men with big hands? Wear big gloves or men with big feet, right? That's the classic jokes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, a number of studies found weak correlations uh, between height, the person's height and length. Okay. But then again, a number of others also didn't. Some studies found a moderate positive correlation between length and uh, body weight or body mass index. Okay. But then a few others found negative correlations between the same variables. All right. So nothing really consistent there. Nothing really consistent. They also checked index finger length. They checked testicular volume. They checked foot size. And they checked age. So they really did go through as many things as they could find. And in summary, all of the correlations, all of them, were either weak or inconsistent. Hmm. So those old jokes really are old jokes. They don't have much scientific basis to them. Interesting. The the best correlation they got was length and height, a person's height and and their length. Okay. Um, But once again, there were some studies that found no correlations between those. Uh, They also make it very clear that in this study, it's not possible to make inferences about someone's race and their length. Uh, This has been claimed by one study previously, and it definitely has a lot of of backing in folklore for sure. However, (laughs) it's important to note that that one study that made that claim didn't actually meet the inclusion criteria of this analysis. Okay, so they didn't do a good enough job. They didn't do a good enough job to be included in this study. Right. So, yeah, this is pretty much the best um, data we now have on this this (laughs) issue. (laughs) There are still issues with it, of course. Um, Chief amongst them is the idea that men who participate in these sort of studies might be more confident in the first place. Yeah, that's interesting. There's definitely a possible sort of selection bias. Totally a selection (laughs) bias, because, of course, everyone volunteered to participate in this. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess that's that's the problem with not measuring it on cadavers. Uh, uh, anyways, uh, if our listeners want to figure out where you'd fit in, not that it matters, uh, we'll put a link to the study in the show notes. Um, if you use the exact measurement procedure outlined in the paper and you match uh, your result up on their little figure, you can figure out which percentile you fall in. Oh boy, we're going to see an increase in worldwide measuring tape sales after this. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, that's that, it. That, that's that. Um, that's funny. That's a good, good story. So let's talk about quantum teleportation. Ooh. So for those of us who've watched Star Trek or seen any science fiction, we know what teleportation generally refers to. It's beaming me up, transporting a cat or a dog or Jean-Luc Picard or whatever. This is not a story about that kind of teleportation. Okay. This is quantum teleportation, which is transferring properties on a photon, which is a particle of light. All right. So, for example, light has a spin. It's one of its properties is, is its spin. It either has an upspin or a downspin. Right. So these are um, the photons themselves that make up the photons the themselves. Have, yeah, have the individual okay. particles of light. So this is being able to take two different photons, change the spin on one of them, 
and then essentially copy that spin onto the other photon. Okay. Over a distance. In this case, within a laboratory. All right. So these are not these are not touching. They're not physically interacting. Okay. Uh, I'll get to how they're related in a second. Sounds good. But this experiment, where one property on a photon was copied to another one, was already done a couple years ago. Okay. And it was a pretty big breakthrough, um, and it was actually quite overblown in the media at the time. But what makes this experiment so special is that not one, but two properties at the same time were teleported from one photon to another. Okay. Specifically the spin and the orbital angular momentum. And if you want to learn more about those, uh, we'll post some links to further reading because they're pretty complex concepts. Sounds good. So this was done at the University of Science and Technology of China in Hefei, and it was a pretty huge breakthrough, but since it wasn't the first time that a property has been teleported, it actually wasn't reported about very much. Okay. So this experiment required three sets of quantum entangled particles, so six photons altogether. Okay. So the term in there that is the crazy one is quantum entanglement. What are quantum entangled photons? I've, I've heard of those before. Yeah, so quantum entanglement is when particles are created or interact in such a way that their properties are linked together in some way. So for example, you could have two photons that are quantum entangled, two particles of light, and they may be entangled in such a way that they have a system spin of zero. Meaning, if you add the spins of the two photons together, you get zero. So a photon can have an upspin or a downspin. If you have one photon with an upspin and one with a downspin, and you put them together, they have, between the two of them, a total spin of zero. Plus one and a minus one, we get zero. So if you have two quantum entangled photons that have the system spin of zero, it means that if one of those photons has an upspin, you can be guaranteed that the other one, its entangled partner, has a downspin. And this will happen no matter how far apart they are. Right. So then I assume that if I change the spin on one of them, that might even be reflected in the other one. Exactly. So it's the idea, imagine the idea of having an object in Vancouver and an object in Montreal and altering one of them in some way, altering the Vancouver object, and having that change be reflected in the Montreal object. Whoa. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty cool idea. Of course, we're not talking about large objects right now. We're talking about single quantum particles. But the principle, the idea of it is the same, and it's a good way of thinking about it. So this experiment took six photons, and the most interesting pair is one that is hyper-entangled. This is a pair of photons where they are entangled in both their spin and their orbital angular momentum. So both of those properties are intrinsically tied to each other between the two. Oh, so this is the new thing in this study where there's two properties copied from one photon to the other. Exactly. We're not just copying spin. We're copying spin and orbital angular momentum, or OAM. I see. Yeah. So the scientists theorized that they could actually transfer three properties, but it would require 10 photons or five pairs of photons. And right now, they can't control more than eight at a time. Right. So, does, so it's, it's growing exponentially as, as you go up between yeah. numbers of properties you want to transfer. Every time you want to add another property to the mix, it gets exponentially more complicated. Right. Um, meaning we are a long way off from transferring any kind of complicated data. So that's really where the implication of this is. Um, we don't really know exactly how it could be utilized yet because we don't know what this technology would look like after it's been really developed and we've had time to research and make more breakthroughs. But the, the theory is that it would have really good implications for data transfer, quantum computing, uh, possibly communicating with spacecraft. Cool. That all makes a lot of sense. Uh, one other thing to note is this is not breaking the speed of light. So the teleporting of properties is still limited by the speed of light. We're still playing by the rules of basic physics here. Right. So this isn't an instantaneous change occurring in point A and point B. No, it is still limited by the speed of light. 
Uh, we have not found a way to break that yet. Damn. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I mean, I'm very hopeful that we'll be able to make more breakthroughs in this area and learn a bit more about what the hell quantum entanglement is, because we really don't understand it very well. It's pretty insane. I really recommend reading more about it if you have an interest in physics. That's awesome. Um, yeah, but that's all we got on that. Okay, well, that's it for this week. We'll have links to all the studies and research we talked about today in the show notes, and all of that's also available at doubleblindscience.com. We hope you enjoyed our adventure into this week's science news. Check back next week for two new and exciting stories. Did you see something in the news that you'd like us to cover? Maybe a story that wasn't clearly explained, or something that seems too good to be true? Give us a shout by email at stories at doubleblindscience.com or on Twitter. We are at DoubleBlindSCI. See you next week.